just made me feel really good about the sports thing. Right? <laughs> I was like, okay, ladies. <laughs> Why are you better at sports? Yes. <laughs> Especially when you were like, just like, I think it was the last episode, you're like, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a Raptor shirt. Like, that's so off season. I was like, the Raptors are playing right now. <laughs> 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 Oh, we are. That was great. Oh my god. Oh, we're recording. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the there was shame. But actually, there was basketball on when I went to have dinner with Steve the other night. And I'm like, is this old? And he's like, no. Because <laughs> I've made that mistake before. It was like, uh, yeah, it was a basketball team. But it wasn't, I don't know, it looked like collegiate or something. I don't know. Well, okay. It's <laughs> yeah, weird. I'm so embarrassed. You're like, if the Raptors didn't play them during playoffs, I actually have no idea who they are. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I actually am too. I feel That's so embarrassing. Oh, Morgan. I knew that, I, I knew how dumb I was. I didn't know that I was that dumb. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Fake fan. Fake it's fan. not good. It's not good. My shirt was for free from a beer store. Like, don't at me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Hey guys. You go. We're back. It's Two Girls One Broadcast, and you are joined by Jack and Katie. And this week we have a special guest. We are joined by Morgan. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Morgan Morgan feels <laughs> some anxiety about being in front of a mic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm super worried about like spitting. <laughs> That's, That's what the spit guard is for. <laughs> I think Morgan expected to come in and have us be like professional and have things set up. Yeah. And no, I texted her, I'm running late because I have to go to the liquor store. <laughs> and then when she walked in, my house smelled like a burnt pizza. Right, right. <laughs> and uh just kind of gone from there yeah so morgan uh went to high school with us yeah a long I time did. ago a million years ago <laughs> yeah. um and then she ran in like i guess more my circle after high school because we have a mutual friend and uh morgan actually reached out and said she wanted to be on the podcast so yeah it's kind so of cool <laughs> <clears throat> um so i don't know recently you got married, didn't you? I did. You yeah. get married this year, right? Yeah, in July. Yeah, to your high school sweetheart. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. High school sweetheart. I don't know if I'd say, like, we dated after high school. Well, you dated in high school, right? <laughs> no. Oh. We were like really good friends, like all through high school. It's like one of those things where. When the other person starts dating someone else, you're like, oh, crap, I actually like you. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to date someone else. Um, and then we went to grad together. And at grad, mm-hmm. he kept telling everyone, like, oh, I'm going to ask her out. I'm going to ask her out. And so I'm sitting, like, the next day, like, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, 12 days later. I'm like, okay. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I guess so. And that was actually my response. Like, oh, thanks. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, will you be my girlfriend? And I was like, I guess so. Oh, he asked you, like, straight out to be his girlfriend? Yeah, I used my whole name, too. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, like, the end of high school. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then you did a bunch of traveling. Yeah. I'm pretty much an avid traveler. I used to be, I guess. I still try to travel. It's expensive, though. Yeah, Yeah. but you went and taught abroad, yeah? Yeah, I taught in England. Yeah, how was Um, that? England is like my favorite country in the world and I've traveled a lot but it wasn't it was hard right you wish like you could take like your whole life and like pack it up and move it to England (laughs) and then you're like okay we're we're good here but it's really hard to like live abroad and like me and my partner were still together at the time so and like we had a house here and we had like a dog and (laughs) your whole life is back home and you're like okay let's go for work And then work is not all it's cracked up to be. But I met some, like, amazing people that I got to live with. And 
we kind of became a little family and we did like Thanksgiving together and like Christmas mm. stuff together. But yeah, I didn't last very long. But, Where yeah. in England were you? So I lived in Southampton. Okay. Just like South England. Yeah. It's like, and you don't have any family there or anything? No. So when I went traveling by myself, <clears throat> when I finished university, I met these girls from England and the one lived in Southampton. And so when I got the job opportunity to go to Southampton, I was like, all right, well, I know somebody there. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it worked out. How did you even, like, find this job? Like, was it, through, was it through one of those work experience programs? Yeah, so I was teaching pre-K, and I have a secondary degree. <laughs> oh. And I loved it. Like, everything that I know and I use daily, I learned there. But I knew that I wanted something more. And so I just put my name on like a whole bunch of those like third party ad agencies. Mm -hmm. And then they contacted me because in England, they're like desperate for teachers because really? they pay them nothing. <laughs> so everyone's <laughs> like goes and gets a master's degree and leaves teaching. Okay. Yeah. So you're teaching here and you have um, a junior high class, right? Yeah. grade. I, so I teach like all grades, seven, eight, and nine, but my core two, I have two grade nine classes that I teach like social studies and language arts too. And then I'm like a reading intervention teacher. So I go into every single classroom once a week and do reading intervention. So what is, what is reading intervention? That sounds intense. <laughs> <laughs> Basically it's to get kids to be readers mm. uh we're in this like really strange era where kids only read because they have to at school and mm. the joy of reading is kind of dead yeah and so you find that if kids aren't actually reading for enjoyment then they never actually grow as readers mm -hmm. so i basically go in and do explicit reading instruction of how like how to become a reader and it's simple things like knowing how to set a goal mm -hmm. and like how far you can get into your book or even like can you make a personal connection to your character <laughs> and if not this is probably not the book for you <laughs> but, yeah. so is that like a whole hour-long class like is that like a block that they have to take every week yeah so yeah. it's a 50-minute language arts block that oh, i take okay, okay. from every single teacher Oh. Yeah, so I, I, it's nice because I get to, like, go in and I can coach with teachers, and it's a nice leadership opportunity for yeah. me. How did you land that? Like, did you get that right when you started at the school? No, it's actually a brand new position to me as of, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> so given the environment, uh, given the climate <laughs> of education right now, um, we budgeted really consciously last year and so we made our classes like extremely large mm -hmm. and the unfortunate part was our one grade nine class was just like bursting at the seams like mm -hmm. 40 plus kids and you uh, just can't like it just doesn't yeah. function anymore mm -hmm. so we had the money to split that class because we budgeted properly last year and in that I was asked if I would give up my classroom and take on this new role um, because oh. I've been working towards leadership and it's a really good opportunity and next year it won't be available so make use of the money that we have and yeah I've been doing a lot of reading professional development and how to teach reading and mm -hmm. literacy type type stuff so mm -hmm. it was just a natural progression for me yeah I like I think I I have to say I admire the profession of teaching because well for one you're shaping the youth but two you're like kind of forced to always grow yourself whereas like I don't think that happens in every profession like yeah. especially professions that don't have a lot of budget for training and so then like mm -hmm. for example mine like we I don't go out on my own and pay for training I'm like I'm not gonna do that so <laughs> I could read but aside from that there isn't a lot in my profession and, and really like you get a bit but not mm -hmm. a lot and it makes it hard for us to grow other than the training that we receive just like in-house whereas yeah. like I think as a teacher you're kind of expected to yeah it's yeah. like a part of our like 
<clears throat> like so we have like a code of conduct that we have mm-hmm. to like follow but mm-hmm. it's also a part of like you receive like your <clears throat> teacher quality standards and you have to follow those and one of them is that you're like a lifelong learner yeah I love that yeah and I remember one of my very first PD days with with the district that I'm in right now and a teacher came up to me and he was like you know <clears throat> it was the end of the day and he's like you can be one of those teachers that leave here thinking you wasted your entire day or you can leave here with something that you're going to bring back he's like pick one thing he's like because if you spend your entire teaching career hoping that you're going to get something instead of actually just grabbing something and going with it and I was just like yeah I'm totally going to be that teacher. And so Mm -hmm. I've just kind of always evolved that way and like grabbing the things that I know that I can run with and running with them. Mm -hmm. It's like not waiting for opportunities to come for you. Like you make the opportunity out of what you have and go with it. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think in education, there's so much room for development and specifically like leadership development. So I've always been a really big picture person but in order to see big picture, you have to be detailed to see, like, the small pieces put together into mm. a big picture. And, yeah, as soon as I got into the classroom, like, after, like, a few months, I was asked to, like, be a, the special needs lead. And I was like, uh, I'm on a temporary contract, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the last five years, I've taken on many, many roles. And I don't think that happens. And I don't think as many jobs have those kind of opportunities Mm -hmm. you're not on a temporary anymore right no I'm a continuous yeah yeah yeah. um so what's your ultimate goal then like I assume you don't want to just teach classes right yeah I think at the end of the day like I always think about my why and I go back to my why and I even teach that way so I tell the students like when we set classroom expectations I always give them the why and for me my why is that I really want to get to know people's hearts and be able to like drastically change spaces based on the hearts that are there Mm -hmm. and again that goes back to being a big picture so I think my end goal is to either go into some kind of consulting role so that I can coach and mentor teachers or be right in the school and like be a principal or an assistant principal where I can be like working with the the children developing they're young minds <laughs> but yeah I think your whole life has to connect and just today my husband was saying like it's not just your work but your but your life's work mm-hmm. and so people are like what do you want out of life rather than like what do you want out of your job yeah like we spend so much time at our job which is basically our life so yeah. that makes total sense yeah yeah it's funny, I think there's two really different schools of thought around that. Like, there's some people and they say, like, you shouldn't be defined by your job. Like, your job is your job. Like, you are you. But, like, so many of us, like, our job is so, like, intrinsic to who we are as a human being. And, like, you're doing that because you're so passionate about that. And, like, that is part of, like, what makes you who you are. So, it's interesting. Like, some people go to work for a paycheck. And then, like, it seems like some people like you, like, your heart is really, really in it. Like, you'd be doing this in some capacity or another, whether you were, like, that was your career or not. Yeah, and I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's days, there's weeks where you're like, man, it's day in, day out, day (laughs) in, day out. Um, But yeah, it's taking that moment to reflect on your why. And sometimes your why is like, I need a paycheck in order to like travel the world. I need a paycheck to buy the house that I want. Um, And that's totally fine. Like if that's your Mm-hmm. that's your why then that's your why but yeah yeah totally yeah I'm really blessed and I think it's it took me a long time like I didn't even go to university to be a teacher I, I had no desire when I told people I was like actually I'm transferring and going into education like my family was like you wanted to be a lawyer oh. <laughs> and I was like yeah and my mom would tell people we'd like go to family barbecues and she's like They'd be like, what are you doing now, Morgan? And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in education. And my mom's like, she's going to go back to law. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
maybe i don't don't know never happened (laughs) but now i take a lot of pride in in being an educator yeah yeah and i was gonna say like being an educator like i've noticed because aside from you i also have like a couple other teacher friends and like it is not a nine to five job like you constantly think about your classes you're always marking you're preparing like you don't really have a lot of time to yourself from like September to June right yeah I always tell people like that are like oh you bet you get summers off I'm like yo I'm just taking my banked holiday hours (laughs) that's vacation pay man um yeah I'm I mean, I know I get to work at 7.15 and there's days I don't leave there till 8 o'clock. I also coach and Mm -hmm. I do like student leadership stuff and I'm a leadership. I'm in leadership. So there's all those like co-curricular type stuff that keep you there. But yeah, it's definitely not. It's not like a, I took this job so I can be done at 3.30 every day. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So I was going to say, what what made you switch into education? Like, why did you make that decision? Um, This is so stupid. But I was sitting with my mom and we were talking about something. And my mom was like, you're really good at describing this. (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh thanks and she's like and so then she was anyways my mom also was like she worked for the youth emergency shelter and so we were chatting about young kids and I said you know mom I just wish I had like your passion for children and she was like well you do and I was like yeah but I have more of a passion to like teach them like right and wrong (laughs) And she was like, well, she's like, you can still love children and youth while you're teaching them right and wrong. And I was really reflective on that conversation. And I was like, well, what does that actually look like? And what does it look like to, like, love people that need more love than, Mm -hmm. you know, what you've maybe been given? Mm -hmm. And so and then it goes back to my why, right? Like getting to know people's hearts. and, And I think. You always want to be the person you were when you were younger, right? You want to be that person that you can, that your younger self could have been like, hey, can we talk? Yeah. And yeah, that's what kind of put me into education because originally I wanted to be a counselor within education. Mm. And then I realized I'm a little bit more big picture and I teach on the North side. So I've seen like a lot. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go home with that every day. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe it's just like my age and one day it will come. Mm-hmm. Like the counselor uh, aspect, you mean? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but there's a lot of parts of my job that I love, like planning with the kids and even just like sitting and breathing with the kids. Like I love that part of my job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I wish I felt that way in my mind. I'm like, if I had heard somebody talk like this years ago, I would have been like, I want to be a teacher. Yeah, I literally was just thinking, maybe I should switch my profession. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, I mean, this is what you're, this is what life is about. There's like lots of times that I'm like, is this really the job for me? Like, am I in the right profession? And I think it's because sometimes I'm, it's really hard to connect to your why when you're uh-huh. like, I have to teach curriculum. I have to get through this. I have to get through this. I got to yeah. finish my report cards. I got to do these IPPs. And for me, there's days where you're like, oh, this is not connecting to my why. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to find it, right? And, and if you're not finding it, that's when you got to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just switch your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think eventually you will go back to school? Um, I I would like to do a master's. Yeah. I did one course, one master's course, and it's like a lot yeah. of work. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> like I was doing an action research project with my class as I'm teaching them. And then you have to do like lit reviews and I'm like, who's got this kind of time? Like <laughs> Honestly. So there would be, like, Sundays that, like, my family would get together and I would, like, sit in my kitchen, like, working on papers. And I'm like, Ugh, Yeah, not really. This is one want. class. Yeah. <laughs> and how many are there? Is it, like, I thought it was, like, more just paper-based when you did a master's. 
you can do a thesis okay, route. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like I would procrastinate a thesis route. Like, I'd yeah. be like, how many years do I have to write this? Well, like, do you have to do your own research for doing the for master's? I yeah. Like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. I've read you can do a master's and basically you tell, like, your story as your thesis. And so people have been like, oh, you should do that. And I'm like, we'll see. You, you could. <laughs> you could. Yeah. You do have a good story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just nosy. <laughs> we're just talking off air. I'm like, I'm curious to know, like, obviously Morgan's talked a lot about, like, things that have changed throughout her 20s, but I think one of the big things is she got engaged and got married. Um, so I'm very nosy about, like, how that all came to pass because her and her spouse were together, like, how old were you guys when you started dating? 18. And then you were together for how long? A year and a half-ish. And then what happened? <laughs> and then we broke up for almost two years. Uh, I kind of went through a pretty traumatic experience, um, had some trauma in my life, and it was just not something a 21-year-old boy <laughs> was up for, and nor was it something that any relationship probably could have stood at, at 21. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, and then... Yeah, we, we got back together, and um, it's been probably one of the most challenging things um, is being in a relationship for, like, all of your 20s. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you guys talk about a lot, like, how much we grow in our 20s. Mm-hmm. And as millennials... <laughs> Don't I'm gonna, like, put that. <laughs> going to put all millennials down. <laughs> Uh, we want what comes really easily and really fast. You are so right. Yeah. And what I've learned, because we've been together now, like solidly together for seven years. Wow. Living together. So we like got back together, signed a lease, (laughs) moved in together. We've been back together for three weeks. (laughs) And everyone's like, okay. (laughs) Do you feel like you guys were able to just kind of pick up where you left off, though, because you had so much history? Um, yes and no. Yeah. I think we tried, and I think, Mm. yeah, and I think it just kind of, we rolled with it, and it was that first year of living together was, like, the most challenging year on our relationship, because, like, all of a sudden, you're not just dating that person, like, you're literally waking up with them every morning Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like small things like I'm the type of person I like to like wake up wash my face brush my teeth don't talk to me and like (laughs) he literally wakes up and he's like good morning good morning good morning good morning and I'm like seven years later I'm like do we not understand (laughs) this is not how I wake up this is Morgan's quiet time (laughs) yeah But yeah, like I was saying, millennials, we want we want things that are easy and fast and always on the go. And being in a relationship is like not easy. <laughs> it's yeah. not. And the easy part is is love. Like mm-hmm. love is it's fast. Sometimes it can happen really, really quickly. And it's like the butterflies and the excitement. And it lasts like 35 seconds. <laughs> like that, like that immediate, I like, God, I have you. That lasts like a minute. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, how are we going to keep this? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I was in the car with a group of girls a little while ago. Hopefully none of them listened to this. <laughs> and... This one girl's talking about her last relationship that had just ended, and and I felt really bad. My heart kind of broke for her because she was talking about how much work she put into the relationship and how she she gave it her all. And and then an, another girl was kind of telling her like how her and her partner met and and her experience, and I couldn't help but say, you know, relationships they really take one thing. And that's choosing that person every single day mm-hmm. and waking up and saying, I'm going to choose you, the you that you are today. But 
the other person also has to choose you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can put in all of this work. And I think as women, we tend to put in all of this work. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember, like, if they're not putting in that work, they're not fighting for you. And how is this ever going to work if you're both not fighting for each other? Yeah. And that really came to me because, so we lived together and then I moved to the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> And we stuck together. And I remember I used to wake up at 5.30 in the morning to say goodnight to him. And he used to call me at like, I think it was like 7.30 his time. And it would be like 3.30 my time. So I was just getting home from work and he was just leaving for work. And he would call me to see how my day went. And, like, that was so hard. Mm -hmm. And there were so many people that I just, like, didn't talk to, like, every day. Maybe spoke to them once, twice a week when I was away. But it was the fact that we made those phone calls every single day. Mm -hmm. And that we both wanted to continue to make this work even across the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I guess in terms of, like, being in a long-term relationship when you're in your 20s is, like, choosing that person but also remembering that that person needs to choose you. And if that's not happening, then you have to like ask yourself like how much more do you want to put into it? Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, you, you know pretty quickly that whether that person's going to give you everything you're going to give them. Yeah. And sometimes it's a breakdown later on down the road and it's pretty hard in your 20s to like walk away from that. But I've been really blessed that we both chose each other and i wish yeah. we were videoing I this because my mouth is i'm like <laughs> yeah oh yeah. my gosh morgan so, i had no idea you were so beautiful. fucking insightful oh Holy yeah shit so insightful you are so insightful <laughs> yeah i really but liked I, what you said about like you grew up a lot in your 20s and like there's something like do you feel like you guys kind of grew up together i think the the like year and a half two years that we had apart was like a huge learning curve for us yeah and I think it was like when we got back together it was like this is it like we're either gonna do this or we're not gonna do this Mm -hmm. and yeah I I knew that I always kind of like thought he was gonna be the one like even even when I was stupidly young. Oh, God, we all did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and my, my best friend, like, wrote in her her speech for her maid of honor speech. She was like, I knew. Everyone <laughs> thought I was crazy, but I knew when we were 15. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's, like, just the other day I was in the doctor's office. And there was this old couple. And the man, they're both reading their books, and they called the man's name, and he, he they're probably, like, in their late 80s, and he was, like, really struggling to put his book back together. And she just took his book from him, put his book, uh, Mark, into his book, and he stood up and just, like, turned and nodded to her, like, thank you, like, just, like... yeah. And she, like, pulls out this little tiny book bag and puts his book in and then opens her book and keeps reading. And I watched this whole thing, and I was like yeah that's us (laughs) like that's that's gonna be us and like I can't wait for that yeah and so it's it's this choosing each other every single day but then like seeing that future Mm -hmm. is so so important you know what honestly that's so funny that you bring that up because I always wonder like when I see old people I think the exact same thing like you see them in relationships like even my grandparents like shit they've been together like 60 years and like they're going through a time right now but like you see them and you're like wow am I ever gonna have that and like you you wonder about that and then Mm -hmm. I wonder like when I'm out um with like anybody that's opposite sex right because old people will sit there and they'll look at me and I'm like do you think we're together or like do you think we're not and like do they wonder and do they look at us and be like that you know that was us back in the day like do you know what I mean like we look at them and we're like well that's what we want and then maybe they look at us and they're like either they think wow that's really sweet or 
that was us back then or do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I always wonder when there's like an older couple out that are like sitting near me and they're they do look. So it's like what are they thinking? Like are they thinking like I miss those days where like I was young and we could just kind of like do whatever. I don't yeah. know. I think it's so funny how like you looked at them and you were like, yeah, that's us. I just wonder like if, you know, older couples do that and look at us like at our age. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just I agree with you though. That's so like cute. yeah. Yeah. yeah, seeing older people together is, like, the sweetest thing, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, words of advice. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask you if you have, like, one or two... I know it's hard to, like, put everything into, like, one or two words or, like, thoughts about how you kind of make it work. Because, like, there's so many of us in our 20s that are, like, still trying to figure this shit out and, like, mm-hmm. have no idea what to do with the whole relationship thing and... Like, I can't speak for everybody that's listening because I don't even know everybody that listens. But for the most part, those of us that aren't in a relationship are trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. And even people that are in relationships are still trying to figure it out. So is there, like, one or two things that you think are, like, the key to making a relationship work other than, like, choosing yourself or choosing the other person every day? Um, so I would say it's really important that your values align because you can – love someone and you can imagine your life with them but if your values don't align then it's never going to work out and you're always going there's always going to be that friction so you have to make sure your values align and you have to kind of check in um and i guess you know the most important gift that we have as people is our time and when it comes to relationships is you need to realize that your greatest gift is your presence with that person and you know you're gonna have days where you're like get home from work and you're miserable and you had an awful day and some kid cut your ponytail with their scissors (laughs) and you're like and you're like I just need a minute and your partner's like but I need you Sometimes you got to check yourself Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, we, we spend so much of our time thinking about like, how can I take care of me? How can I take care of me? Mm -hmm. But really when you're in a relationship, you have to kind of check yourself and say, how can I serve you? Yeah. And so that's the biggest thing is reminding yourself of like how to serve your partner. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that, that is kind of how like I do my relationships and I think that could be one of the biggest downfalls though too is because like I'm very much a caregiver and I'm very much like what do you need I'm here for you I don't give any craps about me like and that's fine for me and I've said that before like for the most part I don't need to like need somebody all the time for me it's more like I need that person to need me yeah and that's totally it right like it's wonderful that we can sit here and be like how can I serve you yeah but then like how are they serving you? Yeah, like, are they even considering you, right? And I think that that, like I said, is, is one of the biggest downfalls of my past relationships is just, like, how much I give. And I don't expect it in return, but it's kind of like you almost, like, subconsciously do because they are your partner. And so yeah. you yeah. should be the forefront of their mind, too. Or, like, that one thing comes up where you're, like, this is, like, that one time that I do need you. And mm-hmm. they're, like, not there in the way that you need it because, mm-hmm. like they just don't believe that that precedent has been set and like that's not fair yeah yeah and you know it's really like interesting listening to you because so over like listening to your podcast I'm like holy man Jack and I are so similar because we're very similar Mm -hmm. I'm the same way like give 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 and so another piece of advice (laughs) if you see marriage (laughs) happening or you're engaged um premarital counseling like a hundred percent so we'd been together for like almost well yeah we're going on eight years so like no we're going on seven years so we've been together for like six (laughs) years before our premarital counseling and there was like so much that we learned in that moment Mm -hmm. to learn how like I can serve you but also how he can serve me and one of my big things was and and again sorry I'm religious so my pastor was like he was like you know based on my results because you take like a test and then it's like all this data comes out and he like showed us this data (laughs) and I go oh my god I'm the problem (laughs) 
like, it's me. I'm so sorry. I've done everything wrong. It's me. I'm the problem. And because uh, one of the things is like where where you are in terms of like your functionality, like based on your family and then like where you started. And so like we were like, we should have filmed this. We were like <laughs> bars away from each other. And then the next one is like how you've grown together. And like I moved like half an inch and he like came down to me. Aww. And so I'm like, oh, crap. He <laughs> is serving me better. But at the same time, uh, one of my things was like, I was really, really low on my assertiveness. And mm-hmm. my pastor looked at me and he said, you know, as as a Christian, the saying is serve like you can only serve your neighbor mm-hmm. as you've served yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you can only do good to your neighbor if you've done good to yourself. Mm-hmm. And he says what this data shows me is you're no longer getting what you want He's like, and that's not even close to it. Like, you're not even getting what you need. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and then when I look at the other side of the data, like, he's willing to give you what you need, and you're not asking for it. Mm -hmm. And so it's that reminder that, like, I want to serve you, but, like, okay, I'm going to let you serve (laughs) me too. And and that's not everybody, but that was the case for me. Oh, yeah, that's probably me, too. So, yeah. 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 Premarital counseling. (laughs) Highly recommended. (laughs) I was like, life changing. (laughs) I was like, let's just work on me for the next three months. Are you sure you still want to go through this? (laughs) And he was all about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was funny because my pastor, uh, this kind of goes back to, like, the choosing your other person. Because sometimes you don't know, right? You're like, I'm serving you. I think you're serving me. But I don't know. Uh, and so my pastor, like, we sit down and he goes, yeah, like, one of the concerns, like, that some millennials have, like, your, he didn't say millennials, he said your generation. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, is that this idea, like, that you're going to love that person the rest of your life? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and my partner goes, he's like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is not an issue. And I was like, it's an issue for me. <laughs> and he's like, that's fair. And my partner's like, next question. <laughs> and I was like, he loves me. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good that it was effective. <laughs> it was. It was really, really effective. Right? And it, always. I know. Yeah. Counseling for everybody. It was so good. It was, like, such a small amount of time that we had to spend. And I was, like, game-changed, like, our relationship, my work life. I was, like, here we go. I'm going to be more assertive. (laughs) That's good. No, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We have have our one mutual friend that always says everyone needs counseling. (laughs) Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Okay, should we move into uh, Crazy Pants since we started talking about yeah, we may as well. counseling? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's play yes, the music. I'm brave. I'm brave. Even when the fear is staring in my face. Oh, I'm brave. I'm brave. I'm brave. I'm brave. Okay, so... Um, we wanted to gear this more towards our guest and we thought something really good to talk about would be trauma. Um, we won't get into like the nitty gritty details, but just kind of like the whole process of trauma, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when you were 21, you had Uh some significant trauma happen to you in your life. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, like, do you want to just kind of like share how you kind of got through that sure okay yeah um yeah so when I was like 21 (laughs) I experienced some traumatic events within a very short time period and I would tell the whole story but the whole story involves many years past those three four months so I won't get into the whole details but uh I'm going to share what I've learned (laughs) from trauma so my this is all personal (laughs) my uh when I you know when you go through trauma 
you tend to put your you end up in this sort of black hole <laughs> and it's safe there and it's comfortable there and you're allowed to kind of do and be whoever you want um, and people kind of let you behave a certain way because they know what you've gone through and then you get to a point where you need to you need to leave the hole and when you finally are ready to leave that hole you realize that you're not a whole person and you are these pieces scattered and you have to learn to start to put the pieces back together and when you begin to put the pieces back together you're learning where this piece goes and where that piece goes and the really unfortunate part of when that happens is that black hole is like there and it looks so comfortable <laughs> and so you're really tempted to always go back in there and there are moments when you go back in and and you're in that dark place or you're you're with those wrong people or you're engaging in that hurtful behavior hurtful to yourself and so the pieces that you've put back together they either break again or you have to re-put them into a new place and so it's time and like a long time this isn't like you're going to put yourself back together in a few months it's a long time of putting yourself back together and the honest truth is while you're doing that you're going to have people in your life that are sitting there telling you which piece goes where and how you can, no, no, you used to do this. No, no, you used to behave this way. No, no, you used to believe this. And what those people in your lives, and these can be people that love you, that want what's best for you, what they don't realize is really all they're doing is taking the pieces that you've put back together and they're taking them away. Because they're reminding you of who you once were and you know that that person tiny pieces all over the floor and you are never going to be that person again and that's your reality and other people can't see that so a really unfortunate part of trauma is sometimes you have to let go of people that you have loved and that have been in your life forever that you saw being in your life forever because you have to do it by yourself you have to put the pieces back together by yourself because at the end of the day you have to be okay with the whole person that comes from that. And that's really what, what trauma does to us is it breaks us into tiny pieces. It reminds us of, we're constantly reminded of who we once were. And I often think of the pieces as like mirrors because you like look at it and you see a reflection, but that's not who you are anymore. And so you're putting yourself back together and then you, you finally feel whole. And sometimes those people that you had to eliminate from your life, they can come back. Um, but it's like this really important message that I'm not who I once was. And I'm never, ever going to be that person. And then there's this responsibility that you have as, as a fragile being. Because you're not broken anymore. You're whole. And you have to remind yourself every day that you're whole. And I'm going to go back to being in that hole. And when you're in that dark hole, for me, it took a very conscious decision. Every single day, I would wake up and tell myself five good things. Five good things in your life. And some days I would get to three and I would just sit there and say, I don't have anything left. And I'd say it out loud, like nobody was around, I'm alone in my apartment, and I'd say, I don't have anything left. And I'd, I wouldn't get out of bed until I came up with five, five good things. And I, I think now this idea of like self-love, uh, we often talk about like moments of gratitude. And now when I look back to like that time, like that's exactly what I was doing. I was reminding myself of all these positive things, but I had to do that in order to get out of bed. And that is how I slowly pulled myself out of that black hole. And then when you get out of that black hole and there's these pieces and you're like, oh my gosh, I've now put myself back together. And so over time, you become whole again. And 
it's our responsibility, I believe, I truly believe it's my responsibility to, to spread joy as a whole being. Because that's what we're qualified to do. We are qualified to love and to spread joy. And every person that I know that has been broken and put themselves back to pieces, put their pieces back together, they spread joy in a way that others will never understand. And I think it's because of those broken pieces, like the light just illuminates through. And so our, our, my mission in life is as much as I can go back into that hole and it's always there. You're, you're standing there, you see that black hole and you remember how easy it was to be there. But your job is, is not to be there for yourself. And I think I've mentioned this before. Our job is to serve others. And if we can do that with our stories and with our and with the joy that has come even from the darkest of moments then we can get through trauma we can we can get through the hard times and maybe i'll, I'll share a personal story uh when i was living in england i uh i got a phone call from my brother and he had just had his daughter and he called me and I knew she was born and I was expecting this like, oh my gosh, our baby girl is here. Instead, he called me and he couldn't even get the words out and he was crying and he was sounded so broken and he said, it's not fair. It's not fair because this should be the happiest day of my life and I feel so much pain and I remember saying, you know, that's that's our life like once you've experienced trauma the good times that other people can just feel we feel a heaviness with that and so we have to express ourselves with joy and we have to like fill ourselves with joy and happiness and remind yourself constantly that you are not broken that you are fragile, that you are whole, that you are light, and that you are able to spread joy. And so trauma, it's, it's awful. And it's, it's something that people are facing all the time. And my story is not unique to others. And I think it's just a reminder that we have this, we have this responsibility to not let our hurt hurt other people and if we can continue to live that way as whole beings even when we're fragile then we can provide like the good that this earth has to offer that everything has to offer you know <laughs> i made these girls cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if anyone listening hasn't cried from that, you are fucked in the head. <laughs> um, yeah, that was good. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, as your, you know, like as your friend, I, I know what you're talking about. And I think like the, the way you've come out of it is is incredible, especially just listening to you. <laughs> um, and you did all of that by yourself basically you you figured that out you did that on your own and not many people can do that um lots of people seek help from others and you did that on your own which is just amazing in itself yeah yeah i can't really take credit like this is your guys podcast you can cut this but like i honestly tell people i'm like i'm just like an ordinary girl with like a lot of grace from god like i just <laughs> you're not an ordinary girl <laughs> katie's still over here crying <laughs> oh okay do you want to take a break uh, <laughs> okay let's take a break let's take a break so we just pulled up uh morgan's natal chart (laughs) we convinced her to do astrology (laughs) um so 
Morgan is uh, an Aries. So her son is an Aries, which determines her ego identity and role. We've talked a lot about this. And then her ascendant is in Pisces. So that's the mask that she presents to people. And then her moon is in Scorpio. So her moon rules her emotions, moods, and feelings. So I was just telling her about her moon in Scorpio, <laughs> which is intense, passionate, and a bit dramatic. Yeah. You have, yeah. You have trouble opening up and letting other people in. Yeah. And try to keep your intense, darker emotions private. Right. Right. But I have come a long way, <laughs> hence this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we're working on some of these. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is so funny because um, I am like a Scorpio through and through. So like we kind of relate on that sense. Yeah. And it's so funny because it says in here, which I didn't read to you. So um, it's in your eighth house. House. We haven't really like figured out the whole house thing, but like Gryffindor house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but with that being said, it means you find security and safety through darkness, taboos, rebirth, sex, and transformation. I really hope that's not true. <laughs> okay, but I do think that you find um, meaning through transformation. Like you've yes, yes you've done a lot of transforming in your 20s so I think that part just that part maybe could be uh you but so your ascendant is in Pisces meaning you come across as kind dreamy imaginative and sensitive and you said um it also says that you're indecisive at times which you think you're more decisive yeah which is totally fine. and my husband's like yeah right <laughs> <laughs> try asking her where she wants to go for dinner yeah <laughs> problem with every woman <laughs> but I did say you were kind and sensitive so I think like as, and you said that that's happened more later in your 20s but um and then so you're Aries so your son and Aries um you're naturally competitive and fiercely independent you push things forward with energy and enthusiasm and persevere through anything yeah I'm definitely an Aries yeah you are <laughs> Yeah, so your Venus is in Pisces also. So Venus is like your love. Oh. The love side of you. It indicates how you express affection and qualities you're attracted to. So your Venus is in Pisces, meaning your romantic side is sentimental, dreamy, and gentle. You have an endless... Uh, endless... End, wow, I cannot say <laughs> Endlessly deep well of compassion and love, but have trouble protecting yourself in relationships. Love is often expressed in yourself and self-image, and because it's your first house in Venus and Pisces, is hyper present in your personality. Oh, so do you think? Like, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Like, do you think that your love is um, sentimental, dreamy, and gentle? I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> That's, like, really hard to answer just because, like, I think about, I, I mean, you all know I've gone through some trauma. So I think about that and I, like, try not to be sentimental because, you know, it leads you back to that black hole. So, but then again, like, when I think about my partner. Yeah, so, like, like yeah, think more about your husband. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I should think about him, not myself. <laughs> 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 not not what I was getting at. I'm the problem. <laughs> Self love is important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm a little bit more sentimental. Like, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to like reflect on yourself as when a it lover. comes to love. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No. I. Feel I just bad. like had that sex in the study <laughs> moment when she's like, "I've taken a lover." <laughs> Okay, okay, last thing, which I feel like you probably, we talk about self-care a lot. So okay. is there something that you love to do for yourself every week or, you know, whatever, every couple weeks, every month, like something that makes you feel like you really just like taking the time to take care of yourself, giving yourself that time to be, just be present with yourself? Um, so for me, and I said this like when I came in, I was like, I don't really... My students ask, like, what kind of music do you listen to? I'm like, I listen to podcasts and Jesus music. And <laughs> I'm, like, not joking. And in the mornings, I, like, I worship as I drive to work. And that is, like, that's my time. Uh, and so I need that. And, mm -hmm. like, there's days that, like, I can be super frazzled and running late. And I, like, have to plug in and have to have that moment of worship. 
So I do that daily. And then, I mean, a really great thing for me is, like, having a dog, you're, like, forced to go outside. So oh, yeah, totally. Even, like, just going for a walk and holding hands with my husband and walking the dog Aww. is, like, really important to me. And I'm a, I'm an extrovert, but I'm, like, a introvert extrovert. Mm-hmm. So... I need to come home and, like, have a moment. Like, let me – like, when I get home before my husband, that's, like, my favorite because I'm, like, I can have, like, my time to just, like – even just, like, take your coat off mm-hmm. and, like, reflect. And so I, I think I'm, like, a really reflective person. So some of my self-care is just, like, being able to take time to be reflective and whether that's, like, in my car when I'm listening to worship music or – when I, like, first come home and can just, like, sit on the couch mm-hmm. and snuggle my dog. Or if it's, like, being reflective with my husband, like, going for a walk and talking about things. Well, you have to be an extrovert all day. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that if you're an introverted extrovert, you want to come home and have some time to be an introvert. Yeah. yeah. But I think a big thing for my self-care is, like, making time for for people. And I, I think I've said, like, time is the most valuable thing we have to give. And so I know that if I'm, like, starting to, like, feel in those, like, where you, you guys called it something, like, you're, like, this is one of those, like, you're going to have to pause yeah, this so we that's get to what the point. What, what is like it? depression holes? Yeah, but you guys didn't call it that. You're, what like, lows it? or something? Like, your little, like. Your lulls? 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All I can think of is that we, we, like, we call it holes, too. Like, we call it, like, depression holes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, like, you're kind of, like, lulls or your holes. Yeah. I lost track of what, what kind of holes. About. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> 65 minutes of the podcast to make a dirty joke. <laughs> like, down, down time. <laughs> <laughs> We're fucked, okay? <laughs> All right. Anyways, when I get into a low <laughs> point, I know it's because I haven't, like, spent time with the people I love. So sometimes self-care is just, like, surrounding yourself with, like, people that you love and, like, having a really good laugh. Yeah. Love that. Like, I love it. the whole laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole entire laugh. Yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> Katie's okay. still on holes. <laughs> okay. Well. Did you want to? No, I think, okay, yeah, like I, I think, think that's Are you guys going to share your self-care oh, this week? Oh, we can. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just... Yeah, I was trying to think of what I've done. What have I done? I don't know. I slept for probably like 46 of the last 48 hours, so that was me. I'm sick as balls. <laughs> balls are pretty sick. <laughs> um, I think for me this week, um, I spent time with my... Well, I call her my niece. She's not my actual niece, but she's my actual niece. <laughs> so I spent time with her and uh, uh, one of my best friends. And I think like that, um, yeah, it's just like really pure time when you spend time with kids. Like it's yeah, yeah. baby cuddles. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally where it's at. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. No. Give me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Katie wants a baby so bad. Oh, we're going to I feel yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it's fine. None of the men listen to this point in the podcast anyway, so he's not going to hear. Oh, my gosh. Well, Morgan, wow. I had no idea what this podcast was going (laughs) to be like. Like, we seriously spanned some serious topics. Yeah, Yeah. we did. And you are just, like, inspirational little motherfucker, let me tell you. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't cried that hard in a really long time. (laughs) Crying is self-care sometimes. It is. It is. It's cathartic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, honestly, that was, like, very beautiful to hear. Yeah, it was. And yeah. we really appreciate you being, like, vulnerable and open on the podcast. Yeah. I know that's not always easy, especially when you have absolutely no idea who's listening to this, because we don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, friends. <laughs> so, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, you are welcome back anytime, my dear. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um... <laughs> I guess you probably don't really want to plug yourself, so we'll plug ourselves. No, go ahead, plug yourself. (laughs) 
make sure you that follow- sounded dirty <laughs> oh god yeah uh make sure you follow us on all uh, the socials at two girls one broadcast uh the number two and the number one and oh. uh leave us a review and uh rating on apple and make sure it's nice and yeah, yeah. be nice yeah like that's your job <laughs> yeah who has time to be mean anyways For real. yeah uh, and we'll otherwise we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, bye Alka Tacos. Hey.